Hey, uh, as the team comes and brings, we're in our last week of Purpose Stories. Have you guys enjoyed these Purpose Stories, getting to hear more of people's story, their testimony, God's faithfulness, how God has brought them from some of the most challenging? I was talking to a young man uh, earlier today, and he said, you know, I really like, uh, you know, obviously I can say their name because I told their story, so it's not like gossiping. He said, I really love Shane's story. I was blown away at how God was able to get him out of that situation. I was like, that's pretty profound. This kid's like 12. <laughs> I was like, you heard that? And he goes, yeah. I was like, that's amazing. And then he's like encouraging his dad and like, you know, himself a little bit that they have a story too. And I said, it's, you do. It's in process. That's pretty awesome. And so I hope that that's been the case for many of you. Last week we had the privilege of having uh, uh, my, my good friend. I, don't, I think I've downgraded him to good friend because he, he told a lot of stories about me. I'm going to his church in November, so I'm just gonna I'm writing a whole list. Like I've never really written out a list of like jokes about my friends, but this time I'm I'm just gonna load up. Uh, but how awesome was it to have Pastor Brandon here? He just raved about you. He just had the best time. He loved being here. Um, but tonight we're gonna conclude our purpose story stories with um, a story that I th- I pray and believe. I hope you got tissues because I I need some. Uh, I was reading her notes and I'm like literally sitting at my desk crying. Um, and I tried to blame the dust and the pollen in my house, but there isn't any. Uh, Elise is just an absolute gift to, to Katie and I before she's a gift to anyone else. We are just so humbled and thankful f- that God brought her into our life at the right time. And we believe that with all of our hearts, that it was a divine moment where God uh, brought her into our life. And, um, and so you get the benefits of, of Elise, but we are truly, as a family, blessed because She's not just uh, a friend and a co-laborer. She really is family to us and goes out of her way more than I ever give her credit or say thank you, and I need to do a better job at that. So here I am publicly saying thank you for all that you do behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and everything in between. So I'm really excited for you to get to hear her story, and as I said, hopefully uh, you've got a tissue close by. Or just use your neighbor's sleeve. It'll be fine. Um, we're all family here. Elise, why don't you come, and will you guys just help me welcome Elise as she comes tonight. Um, I'm not going to say any jokes, because I want to no honor this moment. Yeah, I was going to say we could keep this short and sweet, but um, no, I'm just kidding. I wanted to tell jokes. You want to tell jokes? I wanted to tell jokes, but I'm not, because I'm not very Hopefully good at not about me. telling well, you might yeah. have a few. Uh, Brandon was here last week. Yes, we can't. Uh, I can't top him. So, so in case you don't know, Elise is, uh, does a, a myriad of things. But what maybe you don't know, she serves as our assistant. She serves on our board. Um, she serves on uh, our nonprofit board as well. Um, she runs our hospitality team, which does so much for us. Um, but like I said, she does so many other things that, you know, I don't even know half the time. Let me just tell you this. I just have a password, and I know that if I ever, if anything ever happened to her, I just have this one password. I feel like a James Bond movie, that if there's ever a problem, I've got one password that Elise has given me, and apparently that's going to open the, the whole thing back up to me, and I'm not going to know what to do with it, so I'm going to need someone to replace her. Um, but that's kind of how awesome she is, and Hannah, now we can't. We're not going to. So I'm going to babble on, and this is about you, not me. Yes. T- so let's just jump right in. All right. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background and your upbringing, and, you know, you're only 37 years young, so I am. not a whole lot of time. I am. I've crammed a laughing. lot of years into out. 37 years. <laughs> a lot of life there. Um, well... Let's just start off by saying that 
you know, over the years, God has been very good to me, mm. but I didn't always realize it. But if I look back in this moment of reflection, that putting this together, that I really realized that it kind of started in high school. Mm. Um, I went to a, well, I was, let's back up. I was born in Atlanta and was raised in Dunwoody, so I'm very local. I won't put the joke in that I was going to say. But no, you should say that because that was new on me, and I don't know if any uh, real people, any people from Atlanta really know that joke. Well, so well, you if, you're, if you're not from Atlanta, you have to call it Atlanta. You okay. could even say Atlanta. But if you're from a, Atlanta, you can drop out all the T's. And just roll with it. And just Alana. roll with it, yes. So that's what I thought you were saying, Alana. I'm like, who's Alana? But it's yeah. Atlanta. Alana, yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta. That's Anybody? true. I, I don't doubt it. You, you, you are OG, so I get it. Yes. <laughs> OG Alana. <laughs> so anyway, um, grew up in Sandy Springs, Dunwoody. Um, as we kind of move on into like high school, um, I attended a um, major Dunwoody church, very large, um, baptized there, uh, did all the, the choir tours and, you know, the Bible studies and so we went all over, well, actually all over the country for like four years. But the, the thing they emphasized most is really witnessing to people. But they didn't tell us really how to do it. It's like, never realized that you couldn't just walk up to someone and say, hey, you want to get saved today? <laughs> Don't work. I don't think we're very successful in that. But really, I think what it, it pulled us together as a, as a team um, there's nothing like getting like 30 to 40 girl, teenage girls together and have the Holy Spirit descend on you. Um, a lot of crying, a lot of going wailing, and, you know, just teenage girls. They're a little dramatic anyway. But anyway, I think, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Tyra. Um, I really think that that experience kind of set me up for the rest of my life where I didn't really realize it. So I think you get set up in your life, and they're preparing you for something later in life. So, well, and to move on from that, I um, went to a major university in the South called Auburn. Wow. <laughs> um, after four very short years and a lot of fun, I graduated, I started my career, and I got married. Um, but after that, you know, we were just like the typical couple. I mean, we had our ups and downs, and we kept on just plugging in. But we really saw over those time periods is that <clears throat> we lost our parents. Um, my stepdaughter developed epilepsy, and she's special needs. So it was constant support there. After I just about died, they found out that I had type 1 diabetes. So it's just not for juveniles. I was like 32. Mm. Um, we went through job layoffs and new jobs. We even had a stint of we owned our own business for quite a number of years. But then after that, the economy hit, and we both went back to nine to five jobs. Not sure why they call it nine to five. It's more like 6.30 to 6.30. So <laughs> nine to five doesn't cover it anymore. Um, but what happened in really 2012 that kind of really shook our world is my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, they didn't really give him long to live. We never asked, but 
you have to know me. I will search it up. So I read everything I could. And the, and the doctors really kind of, to me privately, they, they kind of said, yes, that's probably it. But, you know, Robert was strong, basically healthy, except for this cancer. So he went through some really, really tough chemotherapy here in Atlanta. And then we were going to move to Boston for his radiation and surgery. Mm -hmm. the, the doctors were up there were top-notch for this type of surgery. During that time, really, I pushed back on people. It's like, I got this. Mm. I can handle it. Don't bother me. I was still working, so I was still working, you know, every day. Luckily, I got to really work from home or got to work from the, you know, the bedside table at the hospital. But the best thing is the people that were pushing me, they, they pushed back against me. Mm. They said, you can't do this by yourself. Wow. So moving to Boston, we had like four different parties from four different sets of friends. And we left our house in their care. I gave them a checkbook so they could write bills. And, and they even came to Boston and, and brought us things that we needed that we didn't take with us. So during that time, he had his, we were hoping we would get to surgery and more of a cure, but it just didn't happen. And so we had to go on a different chemotherapy once we got back to Atlanta. And it was hard, but he knew he did pretty well. He um, ended up gaining some weight. He built a retaining wall at our mountain house. We flipped a house. Um, we even went on two vacations. And the last one we went on was two weeks to Europe that he'd always wanted to take me. Now, he was very weak, and that pretty much took the rest of his energy was that trip. So anyway, going forward past that, where my friends come in, um, I had a really, really good friend, and she happened to be connected to C3. And she said, why don't you just come? And this was about three months before he passed. So I started coming. He couldn't come with me. He was just too weak to come. And the chemo was just knocking everything out of him. But I went. I'm glad I did. It was fulfilling. I had a family. I had more friends than I kind of knew what to do with at the time. But unfortunately, during all that chemotherapy and all the radiation and everything he had, he didn't make it. He, he passed in March of 2014. And so that was just a really, really hard time. It's like, do I give up? What do I do now? What happens now? So I just kind of had to, to make that decision. Do I give up and kind of close myself within my house? Or do I get out? And so luckily, I had such a good set of friends, they wouldn't let me sit at home. They would not let me sit at home. In fact, we took so many trips to Walmart at nighttime. It's like, can't we go anywhere else? And so, but that was our talking time because we didn't have to see each other. We were writing. And the thing was is that my friend's fiance had died 
probably about two or three months before they got married. So she knew what I was going through. She understood. She understood that we don't, we don't close ourselves in. Um, in fact, I had one friend, and she said, oh, honey, we need to find you a man. Let's go dancing. And I'm going, hey, can you give me a little time here? She said, I'll give you a year. I'll give you a year. So um, we still go out to this day, but so far we have not gone dancing, and we have not found me a man. So. I was about to say, have you actually been sneaking out going dancing and didn't tell nobody? No. Okay. Mm, I can't tell you everything. I think a lot of times, though, God puts things in our way to make us stronger. Mm. Um, you can either choose to shut yourself away, or you can choose to do something that might be within God's purpose for your life. Mm. So as we have been reading you know, in our one-year Bible, several weeks ago we read in Romans, and I just wanted to read you this because I thought it was a good scripture. It was in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. amazing yes so kind of going on from that it's I wanted to give you some Holy Spirit moments because sometimes you don't always know them and you know I think they do happen um, and I've had several so I'm just going to give you like the three the top ones but these three Holy Spirit moments really showed what God's love for you is and how he will protect you in the hardest times of your life. The first one I hope I can get through without crying. So just bear with me if I do. But I've already told Dean last week, and I didn't cry, so hopefully I can just speak to him tonight. When at the end of Robert's life, he had gone on hospice, and he'd only been on like for two days. And he was planning a party, honestly. And people were, we called everybody, and my best friends were coming up from South Georgia to stay with us and take care of us. And anyway, he declined very quickly. He was only in hospice like two days. And that Sunday morning, obviously I didn't go to church that morning, and even my best friend, she had gone to church, and then she came back and she knocked on the door, she said, I just feel something is going on, so I came back home, and I'm gonna be, I'll be right here waiting if you need anything. Now, I had friends at the house, and we had hospice there, but that morning I had just a few quiet moments with him, and I told him, my husband is, that it's okay that you go. Um, he was in pretty, in pain, so, Later on, it's probably an hour or two later, in this really last moments of taking his final breaths, they told me that I was screaming, don't leave me. But I was looking around, I was holding his hand, and I was looking, 
And it just felt like angels surrounded me. It was glittery gold. It was beautiful. And I felt just the presence come over me. And I knew then that God had his hand on my shoulder or on my head somewhere. I didn't hear his voice, but I knew that's what it was, that I wasn't going to be alone. So I turned it around and I said, you go for it. You make your way to heaven. I will see you there later, much later. <laughs> so, you know, that was just that presence that, you know, we had felt when I was in high school and feeling it again when he was through that dark moment. Okay, at the same time that we went through this, we had flipped this house next door to us. Don't ever do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. I mean, it doesn't turn out well. Um, we, had gotten a, we had gotten a contract on it, and Robert passed in March, and we were supposed to close in April, and um, they needed to change their financing because they couldn't afford the house. And, but what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to spend like another $30,000 like under the table to give them. And I just remember the agents wanted to talk to me, um, the, the buyer's agents, the next afternoon. And they were, they were, there was two of them. There was a man, there was a woman. They were giving me a hard time. They were harassing me saying, well, if you don't close, if you don't do this, we can't close. And I, I was standing at my sliding glass window, and it's where I pray a lot of times anyway, because I can see all my backyard. It's beautiful. It's green. It's got trees. And something floated over me again. It made me stand tall. It made me stand upright, and it made me find my voice. And I told him, look, it really was, look, I'm not doing this. Number one, if I agree to do this, you're jeopardizing my job because I worked for HUD at the time. And to do this underhand deal like that, it, I would lose licenses. And you just see, you know, I couldn't see them, but I could feel it's like they were going, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't tell them. It was the Holy Spirit come down over me and protect me. It was, um, and I said, this is the way it's going to be. I said, you can do this financing option that I think I'm the only person that can describe it, but it is a legitimate FHA program. And they didn't, they never even heard of it. And I was like, oh, number one, if you are a buyer's agent, know your financing options and know how they apply. You can house buying because, too. Yes, because I circled them and basically I just told them, no, not happening. And so the one agent, he kept on telling me, he said, well, you know you're going to lose the contract. I said, yeah, and I'm fine with that. So, you know, you have to release the earnest money. So they kept bugging me about releasing the earnest money. I said, look, hey, I'll release it when I get around to it. I got things to do. And there was the lady agent that was talking to him. And I said, you know, I hope you weren't trying to take advantage of me just because I'm a recent widow. She said, oh, no, we wouldn't do that. Not to you. I'm going, yeah, right. So anyway, released the earnest money. They went and bought another house that wasn't nearly as nice as the one I was going to sell them. 
because I looked it up. Um, <laughs> I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over everybody. <laughs> yes. And but just an aside to this story, it's about two weeks later, I got a full price, all cash offer with no contingencies. Come so, um, you know, and that was a blessing, too, because I was, I was here, you know, um, with this house. Well, I actually had three houses at the time, and it was just me paying for them. Mm. But I got out of that one, and I was so thankful. Um, we've learned to live in coexistence, and now this week she is repainting the house white. I'm going, that's ugly. Okay, easy, Elise. <laughs> I didn't say she was ugly. I said the house is ugly. <laughs> well, my so, house is white. That's why I was saying easy. I, no, yours I, is cream. Okay. Sure. But you've got a pretty Off-white. front door. That's right. It's Katie's idea. Yes, I know. So then you got the offer, and then what? what? We sold the house. I mean, we got rid yeah. of the house. Okay. Got rid of that house. So that was the second one. What was the third one? Well, um, trying to think what the third one was. Sorry, one moment. I wrote eight pages of notes, okay? So either we're going to sit here all night long and we're ordering pizza, or I can find where I'm supposed to be and give You're you that story. So I guess this is probably not more, this is a God moment more than a Holy Spirit moment. Um, I was leading up into, um, this is 2015, and then in 2016, I knew I was going to lose my job because we were on a government contract, and the government decides they like to bid out contracts every five years. But I'd been blessed. I'd gotten an extra year out of this job. But I knew I was going to have to make a decision. Did I have to go back to work? Do I go ahead and retire at 36? <laughs> or, or do I do something else? So I prayed. I prayed hard over this. It's like, what should I do? And I said, you gotta, God, you've got to help me out. Because mm. we owned another house. Okay, at this time I had now had two houses I was paying for. And my friends convinced me just to put it up on the market. Unfortunately, at the time, there was nothing selling in North Georgia. We were up in the right-hand corner of the state, up in Raven County. Nothing was selling. And, you know, the house was fine. It was cool. We'd had a lot of fun there. But um, needed to get rid of it. So I sat for about six months, and this is like the end of 2015. My agent called, got an offer. I said, okay. She said, I don't want to even entertain this offer. It's an insult to you. I said, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I said, did I not tell you that I'm not going to have a job after like March of 2016? Oh, she said, you might want to consider it then. <laughs> so at the same time, I got a call for the people that kind of um, looked after the house. They said, did we tell you that your heat pump is not working? I'm like, great, another $4,000 to fix that. So the good Lord willing, I countered the offer that I got and said, look, you can have it for the price you offered, but I'm not fixing anything. And they said, okay. 30 days later, I was minus one less house. Mm. Relief. But that's a God moment because nothing was selling up there. It's awesome. Nothing was selling up there at all. So this led me into 2016. I got laid off. Didn't really, I took, <laughs> I wanted some time just to rest. It'd been obviously a couple of very, very hard years. 
I just wanted to rest. So I took the measly sum that they gave me for unemployment, and it actually stretched pretty far, and I just rested. But in that time period, some of my best friends, their parents are very sick. Now they were 95 years old. And so when one went to the hospital, you had to go sit with the other one. So I spent kind of my summer doing that. I was working for Pastor Katie. I was helping make deposits, you know, just to help her out. We, I sat in some leadership meetings, you know, staff meetings for the church. And then all of a sudden, either God said it again, Pastor Aaron asked me to kind of come on and, and help with the next generation of the church. So that's what I did. Hmm. So it kind of leads you, if you're, if you're praying for something, make sure that you're praying for what you want because hmm. God will give it to you. Wow. And so I'm sitting here right now because of that. Wow. Yeah. Um, God's been very faithful. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. You haven't really let me ask a lot of questions. It's supposed to be an interview. I apologize. It's Interview more, me. It's been more like a, no, it's good. I love it. It's amazing. But you had a couple like significant things up to that point that were like not just life-changing, but led you to this place. Like Robert passed away. What next? Oh, yes. Right? Then the housing, the house sales 2016, what next? And I think that was, that's been one of your prayers that you've shared with us on, on many of mm-hmm. occasions that I think is really important because, you, as you said, you could have easily shut the door close everybody out, gone very introverted. And I unfortunately know people who have lost somebody significant for that spent many of years, um, like you did with Robert. And instead of going introverted and going ex- exclusive with yourself, uh, you just kept praying what ne- what's next. And I think a lot of it had to do with that, that time when you were in high school, wondering, well, I've never led anybody to Jesus, but maybe it wasn't, and you said this a little bit, but it wasn't for that moment. It was what God was preparing and readying inside of you in those moments where you could have easily given up, but yes, God. Yes, it really was a preparation. I really think God, like like I said before, I think God places things in your life now preparing you for something that maybe at the time you were not mature enough for, Mm. that you were not, you know, number one, I was like 16 years old. You know, you think you're an adult, but you're really not. So he has to prepare you. He has to give you experiences in life to get me or to get anybody where they are now. Mm. So it's really not giving up. It's um, the worst thing is that my husband had said, you got to get her out of the house because she's going to shut herself in this house. Mm. I mean, I I had friends, but I mean, I, I I can be by myself easily. But, you know, God had a different different thought pattern. Yeah. He, he surrounded me with people. Mm. He gave me purpose. So what he, he started back in high school, not knowing it, mm. not knowing it all, had me led me up to here because now I had the maturity, at least I hope I do, <laughs> to handle what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I really, I hope this kind of leads you a little bit of a, um, to think back over your life. Um, think about what God's done for you. Mm. Um, and it can be incredible. And he is there in your hardest, hardest, hardest times. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. 
I think if, if we were just speaking to the audience, because there's multiple generations, I think res <laughs> 15, 16-year-olds that could resonate with that, maybe some of those moments you had in high school. Definitely. Uh, currently living a life that's pretty normal, right? Not, mm -hmm. not a lot of ups and downs, just kind of making it happen, enjoying life. But then you hit a speed bump, and obviously you had a few that you didn't really, you know, allude to a lot of detail on, but Robert being the bigger one. Mm -hmm. um, and then even to the point where after he's passed, he, this moment now, and I think what's beautiful about you, Elise, is that um, I think that's been a constant for you, what's next, and the Lord has met you at every step, and he's just drawn you closer, and it's not about, she gets so mad at me, because I, I can't, I don't know what to call her generation. I've come up with every nickname, every tagline, and it's never the right one, so her 37-year-old generation just call me an adult. An adult. An adult. A gr grown adult. There's another word in their middle that I won't say tonight because it's being recorded. Uh, <laughs> you're an adult. But what's beautiful is that, y and you have this quote that you say all the time, and I think you should share it because it's oh. your quote, not mine. Well, you know, uh, what I say, and I truly, truly mean it, it is never too late for anything. Mm. You can be in the deepest, darkest depression. It's not too late to get out of it. Mm. It's, um, it's not too late to, to turn to the Lord. It's not too late to study. Um, it's not too late to take on new responsibilities. It's not too late to share your story. Because mm. um, anybody, really, because you know, what, they, what these pastors have taught me, it's not about being able to walk up and say, Hey, you want to get saved tonight? Mm. You know, it really, maybe it happens, and I'm sure it does. But I think it's these relationships that you cultivate, mm. and you you hear about what God has done in somebody else's life. Mm. And He's been, honestly, I could have shut that door because I mean, over the years, some some things have gone on. It hasn't always been a bed of roses. Now, I'm not saying my life was all bad. It's not. We had a lot of fun. That mountain house that we saw, we had a lot of people up there, a lot of fun. And so God presented all that. But it, just remember, it's just not too late mm. at all, That's at all. Awesome. And it's not too early to start either. Wow. It's like from the 16, the 14 to 16, probably 17 years of age, um, you know, sometimes you're, you're not mature enough to know what that thing is about. But it's a start. Yeah. God plants that seed in you to mm. maybe use it at another time. Yeah, that's so. awesome. And I would, I'll, I'll finish with this because I think this is pretty awesome. And watching you grow and seeing your gifts even develop, I think what you're doing now um, is not even anywhere close to where you started. Uh, and I think one of the coolest things that I've heard you share with us and with, with others is that people are calling you and asking you to pray on their behalf. Um, and I don't know if that was something that you would have thought about at 16 years old or 25 years old or 34 um, four years old or no, not at all. 36 and a half years old. I didn't think I was worthy to mm. do it, number one, and still up to, you know, 2012, 2013. Mm. I still didn't think I was really worthy to pray for people. But maybe there's, you know, there's a lot of friends, and for some reason they don't want to pray. But, you know, I'm always grabbing their hand, let's pray. Mm. And there's so many times that I've been able to use that to comfort people, 
into situations of um, even in death that we pray. I pray for people as they're they're entering their their next life. Mm. Um, so that's you know it just it's it's so cool. It's evidence yeah. of what Peter says that uh, each of us have been given a grace gift, and I believe that the grace gift that we've been given is often. Uh, the very connected to the very things that God's seen us through and having compassion for and being able to stand with and pray for people in certain situations. Like I said earlier, I don't, I can't do that because uh, I haven't experienced some of the things you have and that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you uh, to pray over us. Uh, pray over us as a church and as a family and um, I don't know that I have anything specific other than it's not too late and it's not too early. But in between those two bookends, whatever God's put on your heart to pray over us, because I think what he's put on your heart is for us and for the season. And we uh, are so honored and thankful to have the wisdom of your experience, all 37 years of it, uh, to share with us uh, and to encourage us and to guide us. And we uh, have an opportunity to continue to honor that and, um, and to desire more of that because we, we don't know it all. And we don't have all the answers. Um, and my prayer for us as a church is that we'll not only be a church that cares for the widows and the fatherless and the foreigners, but we will also always honor the legacy and the generations of those who've gone before us, those who are running with us, and we'll always do our best to pass it on to the ones who are following us. So in that space, would you pray for us? And I'm just going to ask us to stand. And as, as a family, sometimes when we have a meal together, it's good to hold hands and pray together. And so if you feel comfortable holding your neighbor's hand, do so. Um, but I'd love for Elise to just to pray over us, pray for this family. Yes, of course. Lord Jesus, we just stand before you humbly tonight, praising your word, praising you, just cherishing the, the grace and love that you have over us. We thank you that you never give up on us, Lord Jesus, that it's never too early to love you, but that it's never too late to turn back to you. We just, again, humbly stand before you and give you all the praise. We ask that you cover the people that couldn't be here tonight, whether they're traveling, whether they're not feeling well. We just ask for your grace over them. We ask for your grace over this building. Not that it's a building, it's per se, but it's our community. It's the church family together. So we just ask for your grace over us this week. We just hope and pray that we can continue to reach out to you, Lord Jesus, and just, just like I said before, just revel in your hand on us in the times of the most need, that, you're, that we know that you're there covering us no matter what. So I just thank you tonight that you have shown me personally that's not too late after 37 years plus of being able to step in this community with the people that we have serving together, Lord. So we just ask for your, your love over us tonight. We give you all the power. We give you all the glory. We give you all our love. In your name we pray. Amen. Beautiful.
Oh.